coming back to the clan and the way they defeated Archer. Oh boy. Oh, that was such they a play. wiped the floor with him. Welcome to the Books and Bumrolls podcast. I'm Paulette. I'm Juliette. I'm feeling oh. kind of uh, what? apprehensive, let's say. Why? It's such a big thing to talk about. That stressed me out. I wasn't. <laughs> exactly. I didn't feel That's any my... stress. You think I'd keep my stress to myself? No, because really, it was difficult when I didn't have many thoughts about a book. Yeah. So today we're talking about uh, The Age of Innocence by Edith Wharton. And I would say, I don't know if you would agree, probably you would, yeah. that this is, since we started the podcast, this is the most enjoyable book. Absolutely. Not that we've read dozens, just two, mm. by Jane Austen. <laughs> by Jane Austen. We might shit on her a little bit in this episode. I don't think so, we don't we'll have time. We'll try to refrain. Huh? We don't have time. There's so no, many I mean, to talk about. I mean, come on. Uh, comparing. Just saying that. Just Jane because Austen we came was... from Emma mm. and then reading this, I thought how. Uh, it's a worse difference. Yeah, Emma yeah. was a struggle. Yeah, the thing is, when I was listening to chapters, and I remember very well when I was seeing, uh, especially in Pride and Prejudice, some chapters were like 30 minutes long. Yeah. I would feel panic. Yeah. Like, oh my, how am I going to get through this? And it's bad to say, I don't know if it's bad, I just didn't enjoy it as much as I enjoyed this one, definitely not. So let's talk about it. Where should we are. start? Uh, maybe we should just uh, give a, an overview of the, well not an overview, just the plot, you know, the story, what okay. happens. And the characters and all that, so we can yeah. get into it uh, later. The main protagonist, you would say, who is Newland Archer. He definitely is. Yeah, since we see something, most things... All things from his perspective. But it's not really only his perspective, because sometimes you have sort of a general view, even on himself. That's sort of an omniscient point of view. It is true. Yeah. yeah. Most things, then, are yeah, from yeah. his perspective. Definitely. Because, mm. yeah, you are right. Sometimes we have a kind of a, a neutral, not a neutral, a point of view about mm. him, and it's not self-criticism. It's not at all. Because about we see self-criticism, and you can make the difference. Yeah, so we have uh, Newland Archer, who belongs to this uh, high New York society. They're kind of uh, mm. aristocrats, which I found laughable. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, but the thing is, even they find it laughable. No. Yes, they do. They... No, they consider themselves the... At all. La crème de la crème. No, not really. They know what? they're not aristocracy. Neon's Archer's mother says it. She said at it at one point. Yeah, at the she end of the book. Yeah, that not we at are. the end. Like it was that she knows very well that there is no, absolutely no American aristocracy. That New York is a commercial hub. Yeah, but I don't think they know it. They think a lot of themselves. I mean, as any rich elite would think a lot of themselves. They don't. Th it's not just the ideas of uh, rich people. Mm. It seems that, you know, because it they talk about breeding and alliances between families, yes. all, yeah. all of these are very ideas closed up little word. They even come to uh, treat a duke with some kind of contempt. Because the duke was a bit ridiculous. <laughs> a ridiculous character. Actually, you see that a lot in history or in other, uh, in other uh, works that talks about Americans comparing them to English aristocracy. And you see that some Americans long for the, how do I say, the history uh, that some English families had. And then it's always, or most of the time, it's the case that here is the image that the English aristocracy gives, and then there's the reality. But they're inbred imbeciles, most of them. The truth is, well, you know, I, w I wanted just to give uh, the plot, yeah. and um, then we could uh, get into the brunt of it. 
So we have Newland Archer who's engaged, or they're just about to announce their engagement. They didn't settle on a date. Mm. They uh, it wasn't in his um, plans to do it during the opera, the ball after the opera night. But he goes to the opera. He sees uh, the Mingott box where there is May Welland, who's uh, his fiance, and in the box comes Ellen and Lenska. Yeah. And this uh, provokes a scandal. So they go to the opera just to gossip, essentially. Mm. I don't see anyone appreciating the opera. No, they just sit here looking at each other's boxes. Exactly. So when he sees this, they decide that it would be better to announce their engagement that night uh, so that Ellen Olenska would have the uh, backing of two families instead of one. According to him, this was his thinking. This was his reason. It was expected of him. Even though his future mother-in-law, Mrs. Welland, didn't ask him to, May kind of showed her appreciation somehow, but nobody asked him to, but he did that. So then uh, we have this uh, this growing, not growing actually, kind of instantaneous love between Ellen and uh, Newland. I wouldn't say it was love. It wasn't a love at first sight scenario. No. It wasn't love. It was a fascination. Yeah, you're right. Because it was... He was fascinated yeah. by her. Because I think she's the first real human being he's seen in a long time. Okay, so then it develops like it would lead to an affair. As you'd expect from a tri- love expect. triangle. Exactly. Yeah. But then nothing happens. He's full of contradictions because he's completely fascinated by, by Ellen and he goes to sends her roses, goes to her house, but then he rushes May for uh, the marriage, mm. uh, f- for her to plead with her mother not to have a long engagement, as it is the tradition, apparently. So they do get married. And he feels trapped now. And there's nowhere to go. Mm. There's no way he would leave everything. Although he is ready to. He seems to be. He tells Ellen that he would, if yeah. she would. But she doesn't. She goes doesn't. back to Europe. Mm. And last chapter, we see see him with his son, like, 30 years later, Mm. right? Would be 30 years. Something like that, sort of an epilogue. And even at the end, he doesn't... uh, He goes to Paris, but doesn't go up to see her. Very polarizing ending, apparently. Either love it or you hate it. There's no being neutral about it. I would say the whole book. Really? A lot of people hate... I don't know. As I told you, I listened to a lot of... uh, On YouTube and podcast, uh, a lot of people hate it. Young people, I don't know. I was really disappointed. Me too. It's, it, it, it's, it feels weird. To, I can understand that you might dislike the ending, because you might not understand the reasons why Newland refused to see Ellen. But why would you hate the whole book, even if you don't like the story? You mm. can like so many parts of it, because it's not just about Newland and Countess Olenska. It's about New York, and it's about society, and it's about the place of women. And it, and, and yeah. there is so much to important to, subjects yeah. and universal subjects. It doesn't matter. It's not yeah. even if you don't give a shit about New York, which I am, mm. I don't I'm not especially interested in that. But uh, I heard people who live in New York who this can go so and weird. visit and and uh, you know read her writing about yeah. uh, you know Mrs. Mingott living in the wilderness of Central <laughs> Park. It's so strange. Anyway, yeah. even if just for the writing. It was delicious. Delicious is the word. Flowy, uh, catching. It grabs you from the first second you start to read. You just want to know more. I had a struggle to slow myself. As I did. Yeah, and I had such busy days working all day, and still I found the time. It was amazing. Our schedule is we must read a book. Uh, We do the podcast on the weekend, so we must read a book during the week. Mm. And when it came to Jane Austen, we kind of struggled to get it done in a week because it was like, ah. 
enough. <laughs> yeah, enough of this. But this, I couldn't put it down. I, I was almost done with it in two days. That's it. Yeah, it was so beautiful. I loved it so much. Like, uh, I could have read it twice or thrice in the week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, actually, yeah, some things you feel the need to come back, to go back to. If only we had the time, yeah. I would have gone back to some things. And the way she describes the buildings and the architecture, they, she has a way of talking about the environment yeah. that puts you right into it. And then when you learn a bit about her life... I didn't how, that know that at all. Yeah, me too. That she was interested in architecture and, and interior books. design. I wrote books about it. Her first book yeah. was the, the decoration of uh, houses. How, and then you understand how she can do it so well. Because there's a deep knowledge about how she speaks about it. And each house talks so much about their proprietor. Proprietor? Proprietor. Yeah. So there is a link. It's not just people living in a vacuum. Exactly. Uh, how she describes um, the van der Leidens, their house. Oh, Lord. I felt oppressed. Oppressed. Because I had the f that feeling in real life. Some homes you go to yeah. and you feel like either you're watched or you have a weight on your shoulder. Something's and you cannot wrong. be you. Yeah. Some, yeah, something's wrong. Something's definitely wrong in these places. And it doesn't necessarily have to do with the place itself. It's with the people sometimes. They imprint on their environment, like you said. Yeah. And that you can understand, and it, it she makes you understand how Newland feels when he goes to Madame Olenska's. Oh, and yeah. the way she describes the room, the drawing oh, room of yeah. Madame Olenska, which she was, she was just renting a house, it wasn't her house, but she had some objects that she brought with her, mm. and she made it her own in a unique way. And the very dominating presence of flowers. I flowers love that. are really important in this. I yeah. love that. I, I, wish that. I wish I knew the language of flowers, because they were significant and oh, so yeah, present. For, uh, May Welland, it was Lily's purity. And her purity and yeah. virginity and everything. He first of all liked about her and he ended up hating about her. Which is very creepy, by the way. Don't do that. Yeah, and uh, Alan Laska, he would send her uh, white, uh, yellow, yellow roses. roses. Uh, which is kind of a language of passion. I don't know. He must have known that. Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> he did have. like, oh, the, he saw them and they were beautiful and go golden in the sun. No, no, he knew. you knew. <laughs> Newland. Stop it. So let's talk about Newland. What is the, your first impression of him? Oh, such a strange character. I found that, you know, many people hate him. He's not a decisive man. No, he's and not. And you get exasperated by him, by his lack of action. But the thing is, I liked it, because in this lack of action, he represented so well the weight of the society. Oh no, I got it. Yeah. I didn't, I wasn't, uh, for me it was completely coherent, as, because he was different from his set. Yes, definitely. You can feel sometimes he have moments of content towards his peers. Oh, he has a lot. Yeah. The way he talks about his uh, sister. Oh yeah, it was horrible. About May at the end. Not at the beginning. At the beginning, he was completely overwhelmed by her, but it was too much. He felt like, eh, it's suspicious. I, I understand. The first glimpse we get of him is of someone who's fully complicit with this society that he'll end up hating, who is part of it, very satisfied of his position, very powerful and well set in his position, and so incredibly selfish. This actually absolutely jumped at me. The, the weight of his expectations that he put on May or on his family and he didn't think once what those expectations might mean might mean for another person for May we have a few passages in the first of the book where he kind of imagined how he would educate her and open her eyes and what she will become here he's imagining this new person that he's gonna make while this person is facing him she's an she's nearly an adult 
even though her education really can't you can't say she's an adult, but she's a human being. And he's already he's he's already decided how things should be. It's not hopes. He doesn't have hopes. He expressed it as this is what I want and this is what should be. Because I think in that position I am the man, the learned, experienced, worldly man. And here she is, this blank canvas of a virgin. And they they insist a lot on that, on May being this pure, pure. white, the lilies, the whole... Every symbolism to do with purity exactly. was there. Purity, innocence, she's blank canvas that he's gonna draw on, that he's gonna Even make. Even at some point, when uh, Beaufort kind of insults her, and it was after the marriage, I think. Yeah, yeah, she was already, already kind of said the... I don't know how he said it, but I think the idea behind it is that it, she wouldn't be good in the sack or something like that. Yeah, he didn't. Say, of course, he didn't say it like that <laughs> at the archery tournament. I think yeah. Beaufort said he didn't say she wasn't beautiful because she was beautiful. Mm. There was no question about that. He couldn't oh, have said that. He said something like, "That's the only arrow. That's the only target she'll ever hit." Yeah, something like that. I didn't understand the sentence as I read mm. it. I didn't know what that meant. Like if someone said that to my face, I wouldn't know <laughs> what it was. But the way Newland took it was like. Oh, yeah, it's kind of a compliment. You know what's kind of a compliment? That means my wife is... Uh, I think Beaufort meant it as she's so bland and blank. There's bland, nothing in her. might be rigid, might be... She's yeah. beautiful, but okay, just to in look at... In a painting at way. From afar. Yeah. That's so what, this is what you thought about him? At first, I'm talking about the really first few pages. Mm. And that's why it surprised me, because a bit after, and mm. that's why I don't understand how you can hate the, the character... Because he's so contradictory and very human yeah. in his contradictions. We have this very superior, patronizing, paternal sort of way of thinking about his mother and his sister and May and here's what I'm going to do. And he talks about how he's making him her discover poetry and writing and things like that. But he was. Yeah, it's true. But I, I dislike that way of doing things, of not consulting her whatsoever. She's just she just is something that for him to mold, and I find that a bit disgusting. It and he was, doesn't he doesn't think about it for a second. When does he do it? He does he he does it when it comes to May. Yeah. And May, I think even if he had consulted her, oh, she, she would have she would just abide by him. She would just say. Whatever you think is right, or something yeah, like yes, that. Yes, dear, or something. Oh, yes, yeah. dear, or something. That's what May would do. Like, I, everyone I listened to, when I said, you know, people hating Archer, I think it was for these reasons, you know, from a feminist point of view, meaning, oh, oh yeah. the way he behaves oh, towards male. women. But the truth is, he grew up in this environment. Yeah. He was, when you say, okay, the way he treats his, uh, or he thinks about his mother and mm. sister. They participate. If we're talking about, they participate, yeah. for sure. Mm. And they, he was built up to be like that. It's his position. He's the man of the house mm. in a certain way. And he could not just uh, desert his uh, post kind of thing. It's true. And even that behaving towards... Uh, because when it comes to uh, to Countess Olenska, he's different with her. Although he doesn't want to know her as much as he doesn't want to mm. know May. He's not that kind of man. He's, For me, the, the word that would really define him is a dreamer. He has a lot of magical thinking. I noticed. Oh, you are right. He's, he has weird superstitions. Not superstitions like waiting for signs... Oh, yeah. and if she doesn't turn, I'm going to go back and say that I didn't see her. Mm. And picking up her uh, umbrella and kissing it and then discovering oh. that it wasn't hers. That it was and the I pudgy think, girls. <laughs> pudgy girl. And I think that was Edith Wharton making fun of him, of his magical thinking. I think so. You know what? You're right. I, I, didn't, I didn't think about that at all. Yeah, but you are right. He is a dreamer who likes... To, uh, who gets the satisfaction 
more from his dreams yeah. than from applying them to reality. And that explains the end. That explains the end, yeah. Because, and I think, even at the end, although it wasn't written, Edith Wharton didn't say it, that he was thinking if she comes up, t if she comes to the window, because she knew his son must have told her that he was downstairs yeah. and he'll come up. He was waiting for another sign. He was waiting for a sign. And since mm. he, the sign didn't come, and he does say, I'm just going to find the, uh, the quote at the end because I put it at the end since we're not... Uh... Oh, okay. He says, it's more real to me here than if I went up. This is the, the master that is Edith Wharton. She resumed the character. Why people are looking everywhere for who he is. This, mm. is, he, this is who he is. This is the man that doesn't come up because it's more real to him downstairs. Or maybe how some memories are more precious if you keep them intact. But he wasn't doing it only when it was memory 30 years later. He did it from the start. But he was ready at one point before that dinner with May. The you last know, dinner. The with goodbye the, dinner. The horrible yeah, the, goodbye the, dinner. The horrible goodbye dinner with the, such a revelation yeah. that you wouldn't expect at all. Oh, it and was... It crushed me, me as, mu as much as... as Must have crushed him. Yeah, yeah. I, I felt it. I felt the, the suffocation. Yeah. Uh, at that, before that dinner, he was absolutely ready. I, I had the feeling that he would have jumped on the occasion. And I to know go. what he would have done. He would have slept with her. That's all he would have done. Really? Maybe this is the skeptic in me. That would have been so disappointing if it happened like that. He sent her a key. Yeah, a key to her room. Yeah. So being a free man, who he wants to be, and being with a free woman. It would be a divorce. A divorce? Uh, leaving his family. Leaving, leaving New, York. New York completely. Going probably to, to Europe Paris. with uh, to Paris with Alan. Mm. Living there as outcasts, but in Paris. They would have found their yeah. uh, niche in some uh, quartier latin or something. Yeah. They would have been good there. And maybe she wouldn't have had her allowance. Probably she would have been mm. uh, cut out Absolutely. from her grandmother's allowance. But he would have had some money. I don't know where mm. his money comes from, but he would have had something to live off. Or maybe, strange idea, he would have worked. Lord, oh, gentlemen. Lord. <laughs> uh, so, what does this... Because even if he did that, imagine how selfish that would be. And not yes. only regarding May. Mm. Just keep May aside. His family would have been outcasts. Oh, absolutely. His mother would have... I'm sure. His mother would and sister. Would have been victims to his own actions. Yeah. And this is one of the things... I love the theme... That's very present in this. I think it's the main theme. As humans, do we have the duty to pursue our own happiness or to think about the, the conventions of society we live in? Is it more moral to be true to yourself or to follow what everybody, the, the, set, the rules that have been set? It's really an interesting question. Yeah, because I don't believe actually in these um, side stories going well. I think Newland Archer... As much as he is different, and you feel it, and it is true, mm. because he has more heart and soul, and he thinks more, he's still a product of the society. He is. He still grew up with expectations for him, and for other people. You he know knows his the, place. Uh, sorry, in the carriage, when he picks up uh, Ellen to go see her yeah. grandmother, and he tells her, he, he says kind of, I'm beyond all that. Beyond all that, meaning beyond all conventions, beyond marriage, beyond may, fuck yeah. all that. And she says, no, you're not, and you've never been. 
And she says, I've been beyond. I know how it looks like. Mm. That struck me because, first of all, we ne- we don't know exactly what Ellen's life was. What does yeah. she mean she was there? Was she the cheater, the cheaty? What was she? What happened? I think she talks. She was talking about being beyond. And we, we can feel throughout the book, especially in the start, even though she doesn't realize her blunders and her mistakes and how foreign she looks and feels. Mm. We can feel she's so relieved to finally be back in a society that has rules. I feel she came back from these uh, a society somehow like the falling of Rome, where depravity is absolutely everywhere. And it's happening so, some, right now. We are at the end of some civilizations, and we can see depra- such depravities that you can understand the longing for a structured society, for rules, for conventions. Yeah, there was always this uh, veiled... This mystery towards her, um, regarding her husband and her life in Europe. Mm. So we never knew exactly, because they called him a brute, but we never know exactly what he did. I have no idea why I had the feeling he beat her. They say abusive, but I don't think aristocrats would have done that. Oh, I think... Really? A beast is a beast, it doesn't matter I think when they may, I think when they mean a brute, in oh. their language that must have been like, maybe he was impolite to her, that's a brute. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say good morning. Oh, beat, Lord. I don't think so. No, I think no, he was cheating openly, but humiliation. Openly. Humiliation, maybe mm. imagine like stuff like bringing his mistress's home or something like that, something as horrible as that. You know, it goes in the line of a depraved European society as they saw it at that time. As the Americans saw it. Yeah. Uh, in the first chapter, um, Lawrence Lefferts yeah. uh, at the opera, when they first see Ellen Lenska, uh, who they knew, Newland at least, knew her as a child. Mm. And they know her history and all that. And of course, Lawrence Lefferts knows everything. Of course. So uh, when they ask him about her husband and all of that, and uh, he <laughs> calls him, he says, I think, that he saw him once, Count Olensky. And he describes him as a half-paralyzed, white, sneering fellow. Rather handsome head, but eyes with a lot of lashes, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> like... This is a crime. How dare he? <laughs> a handsome head, but eyes with a lot of lashes. I was Such so laughing. I was laughing out loud. Like, this is someone you should be suspicious towards. <laughs> okay, see, people, listen up. If you ever see someone with a handsome head, but <laughs> with eyes with a lot of lashes, beware. He's a brute. He must be a brute. <laughs> and he says, uh, well, I'll tell you the sort. When he wasn't with women, he was collecting china. What is this? <laughs> Lots of lashes and collecting china. But do you know, it sounds exactly like something Le- Le- Lefferts would say. Yeah. Exactly. I love A bit this. shallow, but such strange details. How does he know? It's like, yeah, first of all, how does he know? It's so precise. <laughs> yeah, the lashes. He must have gotten real close. <laughs> anyway, I gave you a warning anyway, for anyone. <laughs> Listen. Um, he had, uh, he was keeping women, meaning wasting money on yeah, them. Yeah, I think. And I think a gambler, so things like that. And they call him a brute, like, uh, I think in a general way. We don't know exactly what happens. There is a hint uh, of her, well, that is a fact. She f- she fled with the secretaries. But there is a hint of uh, infidelity on her part. And we never get the definite answer. We never know, did she cheat or she, did she not? She says no. She says no, and I think I'd believe Ellen. But she didn't say no until the end, when she says to Newland, no, I had nothing to fear from that letter. Meaning because he pushed mm. her towards the divorce, and he was hinting that mm, certain things might come up, so yeah. we'd better not get divorced. 
And she didn't say anything then. She didn't say what things. There is a strange thing happening almost all along the novel. A mistrust of her from Newland. He never knew what kind of woman she was. I don't think it's mistrust, more like an inability to understand. No, but just from a sexual behavior point of view. He never knew until, like, I guess until at the end when he met, met Monsieur Rivière, who's the secretary. Yeah. Oh. Until then. Yes. Because when he met her in Boston, yeah. and she went into the hotel, and Monsieur Rivière was there, yeah. he, he thought that she might go to the hotel to see him. Like, he was always seeing little things, little mistrusting things. I think this comes up from living in a close-up society, from growing up in this sort of very, very codified yeah. environment, the smallest thing that, that you might not even be aware of doing will look magnified to them. And it's amazing. You, we see throughout the novel how much importance they give to such small things. Like, at what point is it allowed? What point in the opera is it okay to be speaking and not listening? Yeah. To be gossiping and not... Like, okay, when it's the solo, you, can, you have to listen. Yeah. When it's the duet, it's really strange. Why? What if I like the duet better? <laughs> And I don't think there are th these things are written somewhere. So as a stranger, like Countess Alenska, you're going to be thrown in the middle of uh, walls but that will shred you for no reason. But the thing is, okay, she left it as a child, but she mm. knew. I mean, she was born there. Like, it thinks that you know, and her no. family was there. No, no, no. We get th uh, we're always told again and again that Countess Alenska was different. She grew up with a madwoman. <laughs> That's why she's special. She but had she a lived life. in New York as a child. No, very little. And with, with an eccentric woman. With an eccentric yeah. woman, but... That let her wear, wear the famous, infamous rather, yeah. black gown to her coming out ball. Yeah. Yeah, th this tells you a lot that... What's her name again? I forgot her. Uh, Medora uh, Manson. Medora Manson. Medora Manson is a madwoman. Uh, not in the best way, but not in the worst either. She's <laughs> <laughs> no. great. Yeah, I guess I agree with you. I don't know. Uh, so talking about Ellen Olenska, I was very distrusting also. I never knew. At the beginning of the book, it seemed to me like she was coming for him. You know what? Strangely enough, I have the whole opposite feeling about her and then you do. I really? trust her. Yeah, he tells her at some point that you are the most honest woman I've ever met. And the way she speaks, especially when you uh, put it um, beside the way, let's say, Mrs. Uh, Wellen speaks, or May herself, or her, mm. his mother, or whoever, like, the way they ex yeah. express themselves. All females. Yeah. She's very different. She kind of gets to the point. And, and she's playful and witty. But that playful thing, at the beginning, it seems to me like she must have known. She must have known that this is not the way to behave. Uh, from Archer's part. Not just Archer, Beaufort. I think you have to remember where she comes from. I, I felt the longing for structure from her. And I felt she really wanted to belong. Nearly contrary to her nature. Because she comes from the other side of things. What they call hell. She came back That's from hell. That's what she says. But why is she flirting all over the place? Was she? Oh yeah. How was she flirting all over the place? With, with Archer? From minute one. No, with Archer special. Because it gives you the impression of love at first sight. But it's not quite that. I don't know how to describe it. I know it's fascinating, fascination from his part because she's so different. She's alive. She's a person in her own right because she lived and she had she had what what is completely normal to have as a human being. Yeah. The chance to experience and to make mistakes and to, to have a life. Mm. What the woman in his uh, environment didn't. So, of course, she stands out. But what I didn't understand was his appeal to her. Exactly. This confused me. Unless... 
there is that syndrome of the savior because he really protected her and she mm. said when it's revealed to her because she even didn't know that yes yeah, how realize. he helped her out at the beginning unbeknownst to her because for her she wasn't doing anything wrong she didn't know that she was causing a scandal she didn't mm. know that she almost didn't get invited by everyone and um, not ref- no, people refusing to, to come yeah before because of her and it was really funny the whole operation with newland and her his mother going to plead with the uh, with Lefe- the vendelidens and it was uh, it was such a funny scene. Yeah, the like begging for royalty to come down oh. and uh, give their blessing. I love, I love the way um, you know it's like it's a delicate machinery, and you see yes. how the pieces work, and they know how the pieces work. Oh, yeah. So, but you couldn't go to the van der Leidens just on a whim. It no. has to really be important, and for Archer's mother to put on her bonnet or her cap or whatever it was and get into the carriage and go to see Louisa, Cousin oh. Louisa. And the way Cousin Louisa even just hints to her husband, okay, he's reading his newspaper, but and he might Cousin come. Louisa called her husband, yeah. which never happens. Which never happens. She never bothers him while he's reading the newspaper. You'd think yeah. he's writing the, <laughs> the novel of the century. He's just reading yeah. newspaper, bother him. And they say she said it in such a tragic way. Yeah. yeah. That is so important. But yeah, I love this, uh, you know, intricacies and this uh, yeah. things that only an insider would know. And Edith Wharton was an insider. I absolutely adored that. The the, uh, the insight into the workings, what makes a society, and how we're all subjected to that. Mm. But I wonder something. We have a book... And you have like an outsider, uh, far away look. So you can understand the machinery. You can see how delicate it is. You can see the pieces. But can we have the same insightful look oh. about ourselves, about our own societies right now, when you're right in the middle of it? Can you realize what makes it work? Can you realize what makes you a piece of it? Things like that. I would really love to read someone, to f- to see the point of view of someone who's outside our society. I think you need to be, um, you can be fully in it. You mm. need to at mm. least have a foot out- outside. Let's say May Welland wouldn't have, oh. wouldn't be able to have that point of view, that outsider, that insightful point of view, as you say. But Archer, who's in it and kind of outside it, just mm. from the books and the reverie and his travels, and him being a man, frankly, because mm. he has m- more freedom, he can uh, he can at least say some shocking things to his uh, mother, his own mother, and he wouldn't mm. uh, be banned or anything. There was something at the start of the book yeah. that I absolutely loved when they were talking about the whole families that made the little circle of uh, privileged, aristocratic New York. And they were talking about the families... And their little quirks, and I have—I don't remember exactly which family they were talking about. They said the madness occurred in every second generation of this family. <laughs> oh I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. I think the Chiverses. The Chiverses. Yeah, it was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Like, who counted that? Who decided that? Apparently, um, um, what's his name? Not uh, Larry Leffers, the older man. Uh, oh, Jackson. Name? Silverton? Silverton Jackson. Silverton Jackson. There was one man, known man. Oh. That is kind of uh, Silverton Jackson is modeled after him. Oh, and really? he was the man who uh, wrote about the 400. The 400 being the 400 most important families. I'm not sure if New York or in, in the whole of the, the states, because I. Yeah. They were completely ignorant of what, what was happening on the West Coast. There was no West for them. It's just yeah. there. I like the kind of. Uh, flashes of uh, understanding coming from Archer. This is why yeah. he's not a character that you can just despise and put him aside and just Absolutely. forget about him. Yeah, He always comes back with some things 
Uh, and I was surprised by women hating him. In the, and I'm not talking about I'm talking about critics um, that I heard in the modern era, like today, yeah. talking about him as someone who's just uh, you know who despises women in general. What? No. 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 I didn't get that feeling at all. He was. Yeah, he did talk about uh, May as being a simpleton. But I think not just because he she was, because at the end she showed him and she showed yeah. him right. Oh yeah, Lord, that was, that was horrifying and fascinating at the same time. Exactly, she showed him, like, okay, mm. that was a mistake to underestimate May. Yeah. She knew what she was doing all along. But I hate that. I love confrontations. I don't lo- love confrontational people. <laughs> Said like that, it sounds weird. But I like... Um, getting things out. Getting things out. Uh, I really wouldn't know my way in a society like that. I'd be the mad, eccentric... Medora Manson. Medora Manson, for sure. Because I wouldn't know Mary my way Mary the cult leader. <laughs> she I was about to marry cult leader. Yeah, and people were like scrambling all over the place to save her. <laughs> This is fascinating. Uh, there is, he has this uh, moment when he says, women ought to be free, as free as we are. He declared, making a discovery. It's kind of yeah. when he says it, it hit him. Yeah, I, I'm thinking that, really. I loved that. That's what I told you uh, about Archer. The first few pages give you an impression of someone who is in the society, who loves it, who knows his place, and who's very satisfied by it. And then, bam, you get surprised a few pages later... By this phrase. Because and people are not that simple. Exactly. I mean, some people are, but he's not. Yeah. He sees, and the way he sees May, I mean, she has a big role in it. You you do say that uh, he, wants to, he wants to teach her about music and about books and travel mm. with her and all of that. He loves her innocent side. And first scene in the opera... He's kind of uh, there. The opera is Faust, and they're uh, and he's thinking, "Oh, poor thing. She doesn't yeah. know what it's all about." No, darling. It's of course you would hate that p- paternalistic yeah. point, but he's not doing it to you. He's doing it to May, and May kind of. I'm not saying she deserves it, but it's but true. When he would try to open her, actually, I'm gonna find the passage. So this is just to give an example of uh, of the understanding that he has. Uh, so it says he could not get away from the fact that if he had been brought up as she had, they would have been no more fit to find their way about than the babes in the wood. Mm. Nor could he, for all his anxious cogitations, see any honest reason why his bride should not have been allowed the same freedom of experience as himself. So he cannot, like, change society. But he's just thinking, okay, but why? I mean, he was allowed to have an affair, to have experiences, mm. to sleep with a married expected. woman. Nearly expected. Mm. He does say, okay, if, so he's happy of her purity, but if I were as happy, as, as pure, uh, as, pure as, as she is, we would have been no more uh, fit to fend for ourselves as babes in the wood. Which is exactly true. Yeah, which Actually, is in the modern era, we consider that a woman with experience and a man with experience is good. No one should be helpless. No. But May is not helpless, that's the thing. But I... Far from it. No, the thing that I, f- I found absolutely tragic about May, and everybody like her, which were all the young girls, mm-hmm. and the woman, even the married woman, the tragedy of them fabricating the same kind of uh, generic, innocent, accomplished young mo- woman, uh, qualities that don't say a lot about a person, because there isn't any depth to her. They keep fabricating them. And they all keep the the same education going. The women do it. And then they only keep perpetuating the same unhappiness. Because throughout the book, we don't see one of these kinds of couples being happy. Well, do you think May was unhappy? I think... In her married life. I don't think she was unhappy. But I think she had a sense of wrongness. 
because this is not it. I don't think there's a human being that would be absolutely uh, that wouldn't feel that their partner is unwilling. You know what? You might be because I thought that too. Like if you think of yourself at the end of the book, when his uh, his son tells him that uh, his mother told him that yeah. they would be safe with him, the father, because once once she asked him to. He renounced and he, he gave, gave up, up something uh, that he loved. He yeah he gave no, up something. No, I think she loved. said uh, he wrote, gave up the thing he wanted most. He wanted most exactly, mm. and you would think I would never ask that of anyone. Exactly, I would never. They say yes or no, it doesn't matter. I don't want to sacrifice. Exactly. But remember, she had that attitude before getting married, and he was kind of struck by her. Oh. But again, he didn't stick to it. He didn't. He didn't try to get deep and understand who May was because I was surprised by her at that moment. Remember when he was pushing for marriage, yeah. and she was she was uh, wondering as you would, why? What's mm. happening? Why do you need to? We were mm. planning on a long engagement. What happened? What's new? And she thought what was she new was Alan Lenska, but she didn't ha- get that. Yeah, she thought he was still attached to his... The married woman. Yeah, the married woman. And, of course, he protested and said no, and there's nothing and all of that. But he was yeah. struck by her by... There, she completely uh, came out of the mold. She didn't say it, uh, it's going to cause, cause scandal. We can't do that. She said that it's not too late, and you can be free, and we can. There's mm. nothing. we can do it. We can. There's yeah. no, nothing happened yet. And this, I agree with her. Because in the things Newland does, and how he feels and how he thinks, and you can feel sorry for him, and I do feel for him, when you feel his suffocation, the weight of a society on him. But the thing is, you cannot protest against a society while you have been agreeing with it so for so long. Yeah. You have been complicit in this thing. He you have said to have yes. it both, both ways. Exactly. You have said yes to so many things in this society. No, you cannot have it. You cannot have it all. You have to make a decision. That's why, for me, May is such a complex character. But the thing is, with Archer, I think, since she gave him a chance to back off, before, uh, mm. even after announcing the engagements, but before the marriage, yeah. she gave, she was able to, to do that for him. And mm. that takes courage for a girl like her. But do you know what they said? Uh, they, there was a phrase in, them in the book, I think it was later, Archer, I think it was Archer who said, who understand that all of May's courage was for other people. It wasn't for herself. But that's generous. Extremely. But the thing is, her initiative or her thinking goes in depth only for outside things, never for herself or for her own situation. You mean because she thought he would be unhappy being yeah. in love with a married woman? Mm. She thought about the, case. the whole other story, side of the story, but didn't think about what it would imply for them. What it would be for her, you mean? Yeah. So she's not a selfish being. No, she's not. I don't think she's anything. That doesn't exist. Everyone, everyone is something. That's the strange thing with these character we hear about a lot: the debutante, the young girl. Yeah. In this kind of society, you don't feel they're anything. All the characteristics they give them are so bland and surface level and can be faked so easily that it doesn't give you any idea about what that person is. They could be the most vicious person and you wouldn't see it because you have all that uh, varnish on top. They're kind, they're reserved, they're intelligent, they're accomplished, they're polite, they dance well, they do archery, whatever the hell. Mm. What does it say about a person? Nothing. That is absolutely true because I think at some point Archer even says... As if he knows her, he knows her so well. He knows her all around. He knows mm. she, and he kind of even talks about the future. He knows that she will never surprise him, and she will never show any originality, uh, nor cruelty. Mm. And 
it's proved at the end that she's very capable of both. Yes, but I don't think on her own. Not really May herself. Mm. I think as part of, a, of the machine, social machine, it's not May herself. It's Mrs. Welland, the wife of Archer, Newland it's the Archer. Clan. Uh, yes, it's the clan, it's the society, it's the family. And it's, it's kind not really of a her. feminine clan. Yes, the uh, Mingles? Mingots. Mingots, yeah, the Mingots. You can see actually the how women, I'm going to say it, like they're the guilty ones of perpetuating that constant oppression. I don't think you can just put it at the feet of women. I mean, No, not only at the feet, but they're the ones who convince other women to be just as miserable as they were. You don't see anyone, uh, any mother telling her, trying to stop her daughter from superficial uh, engagement, even when they have the means to do something else. They're free. They're, they're not, it's not a financial necessity, like it's not survival. But you don't see anyone who th- that, th- that is unhappy and trying to save the next generation. They just keep perpetuating the same mistakes. The only one we see being different is grandmother Mingotts. Mm-hmm. Catherine Mingotts, who's already like an eccentric character. She's the only one who sides with Ellen later on. Mm. She's the only one who who admits that maybe the convention for women isn't what's best for them either. I don't think it's about conventions. I don't think it's about uh, the grandmother being unconventional, but she was. She was, she was and she could afford it mm. for many reasons. First of all, being rich. And I think also for a woman, being older affords you a freedom that you wouldn't have and as an attractive woman. She wasn't attractive anymore, she was free. True. So I think, because when you think about it, you're talking about women being unhappy in conventional situations. The truth is, if you are the unconventional one in a codified society, in a society where everything, you know, you know what's expected of you and when you go out of the lines, you're done. Mm. You're just wrong. Ellen was that. And Ellen is a deeply unhappy being. And she had to kind of live in exile for for her to maybe be happy. We don't know what was her life in Paris. But I would guess it was comfortable life and it was okay. Mm. And maybe she was in the milieu that she wanted of artists. And But when you see the conventional couples, uh, the marriage of, uh, of uh, Mrs. Welland, May's mother, mm. and her father, speaking of marriages, is an okay one. When you see the Vandalidens, again, when we talk about marriages, we're not talking about uh, affairs and passionate things, we're talking about a lifelong thing. Yes, of course, it's a, it's a partnership. It's a good one. Catherine Mingott was in a bad marriage and she was lucky enough for him to die when Mm. she was still young and she could still do things with his money and become her own person with his money. So you're talking about these women who don't need... It's not like uh, Austin. uh, It's not like... like, uh, like Charlotte or Lizzie, who need to get out of a bad situation. Mm. And the only outing is marriage. No, for them, no. And there is Janie, Archer's sister. Yeah. Who's unmarried, who's ridiculous. Still, yeah, yeah. that's true. And who's in constant... He's, uh, who's the companion of her mother. She lives un- under the um, authority of her mother. Mm. Forever. Forever. So, you know, that or her husband, I mean, it's not like she's a free being. She couldn't just lock herself in Archer's library and read. She couldn't, she wouldn't do it. But the thing is, it's not true. It's not like they couldn't travel. They didn't. They could. Just as long as you do it in sort of respectable 
bound with, I don't know, accompanied by servants or something. The limit that they talk about and the education wasn't really um, some superficial education. All of them are not Edith Wharton herself, who was able to write mm. and to design houses and gardens and to be her own pe person, even married and after that divorced. She could mm. do all of that. Talk about a person, I think, who's an average person, like me. No, I'm not talking about the what average person. What could she do? The average person is alright because Most she is happy. Like out right now, we have you can't expect everyone to be against society. It's ridiculous. Society needs to be here and works. And of course, we ha you have the people who make it work. I'm talking about people who feel unhappy, mm. and they 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 don't try to help those that are like them. But I think they do, because the only one that is different from all of them is Catherine Mingott. And she helps, she does help her granddaughter. She does. Other people, they really thought it was better for her. This is the way they think. Mm. I think actually, well, coming back to the clan and the way they defeated Archer. Oh boy. Oh, that was such they a play. wiped the floor with him. Mm. This is why, you know, I like when it's uh, talking about genders and uh, the power play mm. between men and women. And here, it's so subtle. That's why most it's... people who don't who like black and white thinking don't like Edith Wharton. Oh, yeah. Because she didn't the, never declared herself a feminist. Doesn't care about that. She shows you very well that in these cases, the domestic power and the social power in the ha is in the hands of women. They wipe the floor with him with his yes. dreams. Just up your ass. Just <laughs> sit down, Archer. That you are going nowhere. Although. As you said, it is perverse. Oh. The way she got her own way with the pregnancy. I hate when people do such horrifying things mm. with the smiles and the happy faces, cheerful ambiance that doesn't have any place in this horror show. Because it was a horror show. Her going and then saying to say it to him innocently with a smile as if she didn't... As, and she knows very well. She's vicious. Because he saw like the, the last look when he sees the victory in her eyes. Yeah. This is a case where he could go crazy and strangle her. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did wish her death at some point. Yes. But the thing is, you never know with me, because he could be wrong. Although I don't, for me, there's no doubt in my mind. No, no, the play was too good. And I don't, again, I don't think May have it in her. Because I really don't think, I think it's part of the education. This is what you do. You preserve a marriage. Okay, and you preserve the right things. That's a point of view. That she's vicious and cruel and all that. Okay. And poor uh, <laughs> Archer with his crushed dreams. Well. Think about it. When I was talking about the sexual thing. Him being a man. Mm -hmm. Unreliable. <laughs> I'm not saying all men yeah. are unreliable. But really, <laughs> I think he would have been able to sleep with Ellen. Ruin her. And go back to... Oh, yeah. That's how I see it. I don't see him abandoning his family. Because it would have been his whole family. Abandoning even a not pregnant May would have been hard to do. You know, I don't think it's him who took the decision to not do it. It's no, Ellen. It's May. No, Ellen. It's May. Ellen was going to... Oh, yeah, but then the minute she learned that they might yeah, be a so child... Yeah, so it's May. It's just, it was so uh, timely. Oh, yeah. The way she did, because she went to Ellen telling her about her pregnancy before she knew before for she sure. Before she knew for sure, yeah. And it was weeks. And then, when she had the confirmation, then it was the goodbye dinner. But before that, yeah. Ellen had the key. And I think they were going to have one rendezvous, maybe, and yeah. sleep yeah. together. And then she said, because that was the plan... I'll come to you once, and then I'll go. And yeah. he said yes to that. Yeah, he did. So, just, I'm thinking <laughs> about this. This is a way of taking important things out of man's power. Because, mm. okay, Archer was 
handled here. Oh, yeah. He, he was, was woman he handled. Was handled. <laughs> <laughs> he was woman handled. Definitely. He had uh, a whole plan in his uh, dreamy head. <laughs> in his dreamy head. And with this smooth surface, everything was done. It was settled. That's it. It was settled between May and Ellen. Shut the fuck up, yeah. Archer. You have nothing to say. Okay, I'm not. I don't. I'm not agreeing. But I'm just thinking yeah. about another version of things. Mm. A version where we don't let our sexual desires lead us. No, I absolutely agree with that. But he would have. But who wouldn't have? The woman. The women. Yeah. Yeah. So what they did, okay, that fool is having an affair because in their head maybe it was already done. Yeah. That fool is having an affair with our idiot cousin. I'm not even gonna bother talking to the man. I'm just gonna go to the source. I'm gonna go to Ellen. Mm. And tell her something that only a woman would understand. Are you, you're not ruining me, your cousin, that trusted you. You're gonna ruin a family. Ella, uh, at some point, uh, Archer gets angry at May. He, I don't know, he starts to uh, bring some shit up, like <laughs> muddy the waters. And May says, you promised you were not gonna say such things today. I don't remember what it was about. I just remember his uh, anger at him, at her, because he says... Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. It was a. It was with Ellen. She says you were not gonna say such things today. And he answers, "How like a woman? None of you will ever see a bad business through." Oh, honey. Oh, honey. That he was so, so blinded. Yeah. They saw the bad business through in your back. Oh, you didn't shit. even hear about it. That's why I dislike about these modern power woman power mo- movement. Yeah. They try to imitate men. Yeah. This is what they're doing. Mm. And the woman, the way women yield power is very different. It's very different. It's not aggressive. And it's not out in your face. Do you it's feel kind of... like you're not a woman sometimes? Because I do. What? I don't know how to do that. Oh. This yielding things behind the scenes and always keeping that appearance. I'm as confrontational as a dude. No, it doesn't mean women are not confrontational. This is a way because I think this polished society, this is how women oh. are brought up. But I think if you are brought up in a different way... Because so, this is a talent. Yeah, this is definitely... I, and, and here I'm completely I, in agreement with you. It is wrong. It's hateful. I hate it. Mm. This veneer and this... Oh, but Yuland... She says, uh, but I thought you weren't sure before today, talking about the pregnancy. And she says... Mm. Uh, but I told Ellen, anyway, and you see, I was right. Yeah. Like, you could never catch her. And you see, I was right. What does that mean? Yeah, uh, I think even she alluded that she was so close to Ellen. Mm. So happy that she yeah. had to share the news with her. Yeah. And it's just cruel. It's a lie. up to it like that. And uh, about talking about Ellen again. And she tells him, I knew you would be the only friend she could count on. This is kind of torturing him. And I wanted her to know that you and I are the same in all our feelings. Oh, yeah. United front, motherfucker. Mm. You're married to me now. <laughs> and when he was dreaming about their future married life, mm. thinking about how it was going to be full of passion and discoveries and uh, mm. camaraderie, he perceived that such a picture presupposed on her part the experience, the versatility, the freedom of judgment, which she had been carefully trained not to possess. Mm. He's wanting something more, but at the same time he knows that he will not get something more because... Because she wasn't conditioned to... Mm. She can give it. It's not there. It's sad. And the thing is, they're it's all complicit. Yeah. They're all complicit in fabricating these kinds of women. And then they just throw them. They're not. They don't throw them. Archer, like, wanted to throw her. No. Couldn't do it. All of them. All of them. Most of them were cheating on their wives. Oh, cheating. I don't think they care about that. They were talking about this business of cheating. When such things happened, 
it was undoubtedly foolish of the man, but somehow always criminal of the woman, while yeah. talking about Countess Olenska. Yeah. So a woman is absolutely impardonable. But a man, it's a bit foolish, but it's not nothing exceptional. Let's give it a, a deeper look. Not to give um, men an easy way out. Mm. But most of the time, if they do things like that... Oh, it's absolutely on instinct or... On instinct. It's the dick leading them. Yeah, it's If I ever do it, as a woman, I would have thought about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would have planned it. I would have really considered everything. It would not Mm. have been... um, Spare of the moment thing. Yeah, and, Mm. uh, oh, I just want to get laid. I'm not sure. I'm almost sure it wouldn't happen like that. I don't think... Biologically speaking, and reasonably and logically speaking... We're different. Exactly. We're the ones who choose the partner, and we're the ones who keep these things going straight. So, talking about keeping things going, the way they they ganged up on him, isn't it the way... Not I'm not saying isn't it the way things should be. I think the way things should be, ideally, is equal partners, able to hash things out, to Mm. talk, to communicate all the time. But... Him and May did not have that. Yeah, uh, you have to put a leash on the dick. Yeah, it's kind of a raining. Ma- although they, although as you said, they were all cheating. He That's wasn't doing thing. it, but why was he special? Maybe they knew it would be beyond just cheating, beyond uh, a fleeting affair that they could accept. Well, first of all, it's it's her cousin. It's more scandalous that way. But uh, beyond that, I think because they do say at the end, last chapter. He was never unfaithful to me. Yes. Yeah. Because I think he he's the kind of man that falls in love. Even though we don't know what that word is in his mind. But he's not the kind of man... It was an upheaval if it really happened. It would have disorganized everything. It would have really put a... At the same level of the uh, Beaufort scandal. At the same... Uh-huh, in your absolutely. face. It would have been yeah. in your face. He didn't mm. do it in the background. He didn't do it yes. discreetly at all. Yeah, that's the thing. He thought he was discreet. Oh, yeah. As as any man think he's uh. discreet. <laughs> they think they're sneaking when they're like, raging boner right over there. In hindsight, when you know all of that after reading the dinner scene, and then you go back and uh, go back to how Archer was behaving, you know, when he was saying, oh, I'll go to Washington for this patent case. Yeah. And then May turns to her mother and says, oh, uh, Archer won't be able to see Ellen because Ellen was coming to New York and he was going to Washington because he has to see this patent case. It wasn't... So blatant, putting it in public. You could have thought that it was casually that she says, oh, Archer is going. No, actually, that one was was clear, that it wasn't casual at all. Even when first case, when he told her about the patent case and he would Mm. have to go to Washington, before knowing that he wouldn't meet Ellen, and she tells him, oh, you must go see Ellen. So what do you think of that? Uh, Her sending him to her, kind of facilitating them meeting. Why? Why did she do that? I think putting herself... Because she knows that if they meet without her her approval, her benediction, yeah, things might happen. But if she puts herself in the mind of Archer, oh, you're going there for me because I told you because I said you must go see Ellen. How strange! I'm not sure. I'm just How saying, devious. but it is devious. I think oh, this is horrible. It's scarier than someone coming at you with an axe. Yeah, like this is at least I know exactly what's going on. Things work out naturally that way when you oppress someone. Oh yeah. And when you put them under that kind of pressure, they find a way to undermine you. Yeah, to and this is why it's place. not like women were um, 
you know, submissive and just waiting for their freedom to be given to them by man. This is not how it happens. Mm. You know, when you are living under that... Because imagine, this is your place. You cannot... Well, you could study, I guess, and you could travel. Being rich people, they could. Mm. Imagine a small detail like Ellen going to Boston without her maid. He said... You're alone? It was like that. Shocking. Shocking. So, as you said, she's a rich woman. She could... Um... But the thing is, mm. be honest here. What? If you were a rich woman, and you could travel with a maid everywhere. No. What the hell? Are you crazy? Someone to do your hair every For morning. me, there's nothing better than being alone. A maid? She's not your friend. Yeah, but she'll be, like, in your intimacy, all, all, all up in your case all the time. No, she'll do your hair and put on and prepare your clothes yeah. and then go away. And clean your underwear, No. No way. <laughs> I think I'd love that. Like, have, have everything You're ready shameless. for me. Shameless. Wouldn't you? Would never to touch an iron again. No. Every just... beautiful dress just hang up. With its shoes just down, polished. Yeah, if it's done by invisible powers or robots, <laughs> not human beings. So you want the magic elf or nothing? Yeah. A human being, you know, another woman all up in my business. No. What's being... She's not going <laughs> what this means <laughs> she did say Alan in Boston that she didn't know how to do her hair because uh, Nastasia were not, was yeah. not there okay so I think we hit upon uh, all the important things I'm still intrigued by one character because May was intriguing at the beginning I mean I thought he, she was a simpleton at the beginning and then she was intriguing and then I knew the master oh, yeah. that she was <laughs> the vicious master and Archer is Archer and he's complex Alan Alan's I still don't know. Mystery. I still don't know. That's her appeal. That's her, that was her appeal for Archer. Mm. Even for us. She's a bit of an opaque I mystery. thought she was a flirt at the beginning. And I thought she was purposefully going for her husband's, uh, for her cousin's husband. I don't think so. I didn't get that feeling at all. I think I got the feeling that Ellen was used to act in such a way that would have been read as something in the society she comes from. And then in this society, it's something else entirely. It happens. When she tells him to come to her, to her house. I don't she think knows how things uh... work and it's everywhere the same. It's really everywhere. She, she doesn't come from a strange land when it's her... She could have invited May, too. It's, her co- it's your cousin and you didn't see her in years. But they, were, they knew each other when they played. When they were children. They played together. And that was based on that she called him. No. Uh, yes, when they met in, at the opera house. Uh... And they started talking already. She opened it with... Uh, we used to play, and you yeah. tried to kiss me, but I love I liked your cousin or something like that. Yeah. Do you think this is an innocent remembrance, or do you think being a woman and knowing her power, this is? But in heaven, can't you say anything then? No, don't talk about kissing someone. Children, and then children old enough. I don't know how old they were, but old enough to be f- a bit uh, having little crushes and all that. So it doesn't mean children doesn't mean. So you mean it was planned on planned on her part? I always suspected. I don't get that feeling at all. Uh, uh, I the think flirtatious thing, I get it all the time from her. Weird enough, no. For me, no. I just got the feeling of a, a woman who was so tired of a depressed society that she longed for structure. And Archer was, at a moment, the guide, the savior that showed her certain structures, that showed her the mistakes she was doing, and saved her, and showed her the way. And that, that was it for her. The way she takes him apart and talks to him... The way she, first of all... Who else first, would you talk to? Leffert? Samuel, J- Samuel Jackson, I said. <laughs> Samuel Jackson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I would yeah, love to talk absolutely. to Samuel Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Samuel Jackson. Uh, Samuel Jackson. 
or who who would you really speak to? No, he is I, different. I get it. But she could have included May only to keep up the, keep appearances. Up the appearances. Because yeah. don't tell me she comes from such a strange land that she doesn't know that inviting someone in such a secretive way. Yeah, because true. he, even he was not sure that he heard it right. Mm. She told him, you must come to see me. Okay, that might be innocent. What's with the roses? He sent them anonymously. But then Archer, even though he never... He never comes out and says it that he was starting mm. something. She knew, and she didn't say anything. And then, at the end, she lets him know that she knew all along that it was him. True. What is that behavior? Coming from your husband, from your cousin's husband. I think, being a woman, she knows her powers. The way she puts herself in a position of, uh, you need to teach me, and I need to learn things, and you need mm. to help me. Kind of, yeah, I'm in distress. True. No woman doesn't know the power That's of that with, the, with that kind of man, Archer, who mm. wants to teach everyone, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's the only intriguing character for me. No, it was magnificent all over. Okay, there's, uh, there are actually two things. Mm. Uh, in the last chapter, where we see him later in later years, we get a, a resume of how these years went on. And he said something he knew he had missed, the flower of life. Mm. that he lived a life that was nothing in particular. And it's such a sad thought that you go through life with nothing special. You just are. You're alive, sort of. But there is, I wouldn't say no excitement, there is nothing, ex not exceptional, not everybody can... I'm not talking about the adventurous or exceptional thing. Mm. I'm talking about the feeling that you haven't missed out on things. Yeah, but who doesn't? Not on everything. I mean... That you haven't lived a grey, dusty life. That sometimes you get the feeling that you're sort of buried. That you're not really living. You're more like surviving. You get the fear that a few years down the line, you might look back and reg have regrets. Because, as you said, you missed the flower of life. There were maybe decisions you could have, you could have taken, as he could have. That like what? Taking risks? Yeah. Taking risks. I think it's part of life. And not everybody is taking action, taking risks. I agree with you. I just think whatever you live, you might find things that you missed out on. I mean, you always miss out on things. Of course, yeah. no, you do. But at least you don't get the feeling of having done nothing. Of having but followed whatever came through your way and never tried anything. But apparently he did have a successful political life. He was a very influential person in New yeah. York, so... And he did have children that apparently he has a, a great relationship with. I don't know yeah. about uh, the one that he calls Chivers. <laughs> it's his daughter. <laughs> she marries Chivers. a Chivers and then she's yeah, a Chivers. She is. You know, yeah. and when he was talking about his daughter, who's apparently a lot like May. But not at all like her in some ways. Yeah, but kind of athletic, but kind of as uh, unimaginative as May. Yeah, yeah. The way he was talking about her, I felt the plight of uh, women of daughters... The way they become... Because he was calling her Chivers, so I thought... Yeah, and because the whole book, he was mocking the Chivers. <laughs> and then he starts calling her And Chivers. his own daughter, now he sh she married a Chivers and she's and a Chivers. And he said she married the dullest Chivers. <laughs> the dullest of them. So we're going to enjoy ourselves uh, oh, next yeah. week with The uh, Age of Innocence by Martin Scorsese. and uh, oh, It's going to be delicious. Do you have any uh, interesting phrases from uh, this book? You know, like uh, oh. like I send the compliments to your mother. <laughs> from this book, did you get... Uh, For me, it would be like uh, they had mad, a mad person every second generation. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
in your family they do. Yeah. It's your generation, actually, when it happens. The no, madness. it's going to be my children. <laughs> maniacs, all of them. We're sisters again! Yeah, but if second maniacs, generation. What? It wouldn't be me. We're, we're the same generation. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> <laughs> See, the madness showing right off. Yeah.